the great pleasure of speaking with Nick Susanis about creating, teaching, and studying, and all sorts of things, all things comics. Welcome, Nick. Thank you. Thanks for having uh, me. Great. I know you're also a professor there at SF State and a founder and a runner, running, operating the comics studies program. Really exciting for all of us that you're able to do that over there. And yeah. You know, Nick, you have probably one of the, the, the most interesting or maybe the most unusual stories. You were a pro tennis player, you were studying math, and then ended up a PhD at Columbia where you were the first to, person to write a dissertation, as far as I know, uh, in comics. How in the, what? Like, <laughs> you tell me, like how, I, this is a big question mark. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the thing is, I was a comics guy as a kid, right? Like I was into comics. My older brother read them to me. So I was a really early reader, I think, because of comics. And I, and I see that with my own kids now. Um, you know, I'm somebody whose first word was Batman. Um, so I was like really into them. And I, I love to draw and I never stopped doing it. I made my own comics as a little kid. And then I published, not published, but I printed and sold my own comic from eighth grade through senior year of high school. Um, Locker Man, which makes a little cameo in Unflattening. Um, and and I, I, you know, I, I, I still made them in college, but, you know, you go, I was an, I wanted, I was a tennis player, I was an athlete, but I was also an intellectual. Um, my dad's a physics teacher, my mom's an environmental studies teacher. To, um, I, I wanted to do intellectual things. And, you know, comics wasn't an option, right? Like, like even if, even if you could have studied it then, which you couldn't, um, you couldn't, just didn't exist. So I studied mathematics because I wanted to do smart things. Um, I have this funny story about it now. I mean, it's sort of interesting. You Now I'm sort of known as an artist. And, and when you're an artist, people say, oh, you're so talented, right? And when you're a mathematician, they say, oh, you're so smart. And it's like, I think I was a really talented mathematician. And I think my art has made me a lot smarter. But I, you know, we, we've kept these worlds so apart. Um, and I just, I feel really fortunate that like at least my family situation, they were so supportive of me doing all these things that I just did a lot, right? I just did stuff I liked doing and I never stopped. Um, but I did my, my comics making definitely plummeted in college. Like I worked on some stuff, but it was never finished. Um, and it's not till, uh, let's see. I mean, it was, I, I was a bottom level. We should be careful how we say my professional tennis. I was a bottom level, tried to make it, um, on the tour. And then I taught it all the way through my last year of doctoral school in, in New York. Um, but, uh, uh, it's in my time in Detroit. I ran an arts magazine there. Um, I was asked to be in a political art show around the 2004 election. And I, I just had a couple days to do it. And I was like, well, I'll make comics, you know, I can do that. And I love making comics. So I, I made this thing, and uh, that I was quite pleased with. And it's very McLeod-like in its mind there, this avatar. And then um, there was a post-2004 election uh, exhibition, the same thing. And I did it again. And that time, I really changed things. I got rid of my narrator. Um, I, I was very influenced by um, Alan Moore and Melinda Gebby's comic, This Is Information, um, and uh, where it's this sort of essay using a lot of metaphor and so I sort of I shifted quite there I mean this thing about hands about show of hands about voting and um and that sort of propelled me we did a comic on games uh, I did a comic on games for this uh, exhibition we put on 
um, in Detroit. And then when my wife-to-be said, come join me in New York, I said, well, I love being at, because I was teaching at the university there. I taught public speaking um, and I'm running this arts magazine, teaching tennis. And I'm like, all the things I'm doing feel like I'm an educator. That's what I'm, a child of educators. But it's sort of in these odd ways. The comics I'm making are about education. The magazine I'm running is... And um, I stumbled into some things at Columbia that sounded like they would let me like put all my interests together and that my comics that I, that I was making really demonstrated that I could, to me at least, um, that I could do complex ideas that I really like to play with, but I could still speak to broader audiences, which is something that always concerned me. I think it's one of the reasons that I kept going to school and stopping and coming back. Like I, I, wanted, I wanted to be more public with my work. Um, so I came to Columbia, assuming I was gonna make comics. I was too naive about the university to know it was a big deal. I just thought, why the hell not, right? Like, um, you know, Mouse has been out there a long time. Uh, Persepolis has been out there a long time. Other, you know, McLeod's work has been out there a long time. Like this, this argument should be long over. Um, so that's, you know, I mostly just sort of stumbled into it and too stubborn to stop. Well, um, so, you know, you're kind of answered this, why comics? Um, um, but yeah, why, I mean, you said too stubborn to stop. Um, there, I know you had obstacles. I'm, I'm certain you've had obstacles. Um, so why persevere? What's, what's driving you? What's the kind of alpha to omega vision for you? What's like, yeah. Um, I mean, obstacle. I mean, I think, I think we are, I think in my case, I may have been my own obstacle in the beginning. Um, I mean, like in say undergrad times, like, I think my understanding of what comics could be was still sort of, well, this is my side thing. This is like entertainment. I'm going to do the smart things here. And I think it took me a long time. It's, it's really just the sort of accident of making these comics that said, oh yeah, I can do, I mean, certainly McLeod's work it got a lot of those gears turning for me. But, um, but I think it's not till I was making it that I said, oh, this is, I can bring all the things together and I love to draw and I love to think about hard things. Um, but I'm, you know, I think for too long because of how our culture is, I had that barrier and I'm that these are for this and this is for that. Um, so, you know, school itself was not an obstacle for me. I, I, I don't, people ask that question a lot. Um, uh, who knows exactly why? I think I had very senior advisors that didn't have anything to lose. <laughs> so, and, and there wasn't a surprise. It's not like I got there and then said, ooh, comics would be cool. I gave them my comics to say, this is what I want to do. Um, so again, that's naiveness on my part. And I spent a lot of my time teaching, the, you know, I mean, uh, I, I both made comics as my work from the start, but I also made work about comics. So I was really doing my best to educate my committee on why this stuff mattered. And because I you know, happened to live in New York City then I made a, I mean, I really got to know the comics community. That was really important to me um, because I wanted the work to be as, to, to resonate as strongly with comics makers as it did with academics. Cause I, you know, we're academics, right? Like you can, if you can draw anything, you may make an impression on an academic. But if, if you want a comics maker to take you seriously, that's, that's a, a higher bar. So it was really important for me to have both of those. 
And, and so my obstacles, uh, I don't know, they were small. And I, I think there's, there's a part of me that thinks, you know, I kind of regret not making comics or barely making them for, for my 20s. Um, so I'm sort of thrilled to be back in it. And I still feel like I'm new to it. I learned so much from teaching my classes, like ideas I want to try. And I, I don't have enough time at this point in life to draw a lot. So that's an obstacle. But um, I just think it's, it really helps me think in ways that I can't think about them. And, and I, I really just want to, I want to do more of it. Yeah, remarkable. And I love the story. Of course, this is an Eisner winning a life in comics and it's a life in comics. And even this, this, uh, this layout here <laughs> is beautifully kind of, you know, enveloping us in, with you and your life in, not a life with, but a life in. Tell me, um, unflattening now, okay, so your PhD dissertation, how close is this to your dissertation, one? And two, did you realize that this was going to be so, such a groundbreaking um, sort of, you know, piece? Uh, seven languages now uh, translated. Uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, um, well, it is this, I mean, it's not exactly the same, but to someone who's not me, you might not be able to tell the difference. Um, it, you know, I, hold on, I got sirens here. All right. Okay. Um, so uh, I, I, to your first question, sorry, that just threw me off. Um, you know, I blogged this. This is another of my sort of naiveness. I blogged my dissertation while I was drawing it. Um, just because that's what comics makers do and not apparently not academics, at least not then so much. Um, which was really fortunate because it drew a lot of attention to it. And in fact, my editor at, at Harvard followed the blog for about a year and then contacted me out of the blue. Uh, a year before I was finished. So I actually ended up signing with them yeah, about, about a year, a year before I was done and a year and a half or so before it came out um, because the work was out there and she could engage with it and had questions. And um, so, uh, so anyway, what I, my point is, is the pages that you see, like you can look back on my blog are, are, there's some edits. She and I made some copy edits, you know, there's some text that got trimmed and there's some, there's some consistency between like whether I use ellipses to go from one box, you know, there's those kind of like small type typeset. There's a tiny bit of drawing that was altered, but I, you know, I did my best to resist the temptation to go back to the first chapter and like redraw everything because I'd gotten better by the last. But, you know, I said the things that are egregious, I'm going to fix, but everything else, it is what it is. And the, the cover is, cover is obviously new and, and a few of the chapter headings, but, but it's, Basically, my dissertation is the same, except how it's printed. Um, it, it's really interesting that you um, had from the get-go a very public sense of your audience, very different to maybe a dissertation, uh, alphabetic written dissertation. But what was your, let me ask you this, with unflattening, which is quite heady, um, even metaphysical, um, certainly for me, um, what what were you, what, what are you trying, what was your idea? What were you trying to take us as readers? Yeah, that's a, that's a big question. <laughs> um, I mean, I think, 
I mean, there's some part of it. This is a this is not the right answer, probably, but there's some part of it that is a sort of justification for being me, um, which maybe a lot of our writing is. Uh, you know, like uh, as you pointed out, I I was a pro tennis teacher and player. Um, I I was an art person, and I did study mathematics, and I am interested in science, and I you know so. I feel like what I said before about smart and talented and, and we've kept those worlds so separate and, and I feel fortunate. Like I think the, the nature of my upbringing said you can be in all these worlds and they're all part of being human. So I think some part of it was, was certainly motivated to, to go in the different directions I was interested in and put them together. Um, I think some of it is motivated by sadness. Um, and that may not seem right, but, uh, I think, I think we're, you know, humans are such, I mean, we're such amazingly capable and creative and just fascinating creatures. And I, I feel like we're often sort of, we stop ourselves. When you talk about obstacles that like things we're told as early as, as age two or as kindergarten, as whatever, um, they, they, they stop us short and, and, I don't think that's inherent in us. I think that's sort of the ways that it's the systems around us are built and, and it's, no one's, it's no individual's fault. Um, so I wanted, us, I wanted to make something that, that helped people sort of see themselves in a new light. I think all the work I make, uh, my goal is always to like, how can you look at something and see, see yourself and your environment in a different way? And I, I'm not very good at answering questions. I'm really uninterested in answering questions. I'm, I'm much more interested in, in having people leave saying, I can ask my own questions about this. And you know, how successful I am or not, I, that's, up to, that's up to other people to decide. I only yeah, I know that. that these are my questions. Yeah, I love that. Um, well, sort of, I mean, really, it's about, kind of unflattening us about me, about kind of seeing myself in the space that we exist within in a new way. Um, and certainly it does do that work. Um, so you, you do these other, I mean, you're constantly creating and, but in very different kinds of modes and different spaces, maybe you can share a little bit about these other um, spaces that you are transforming with your comics. Yeah, sure. And I don't, you know, you actually asked me more to that last one that I, on the ambulance I left out. If you want me to go back, otherwise I can. Yeah, let's go back. Let me just say one thing about the last one. Cause you asked about the sort of the expectations for it. Like, and yeah. I'll just say, you know, starting it, I think my expectation was I would make something that people, you know, besides my mom might read. <laughs> You know, um, but I do know, you know, I mean, I got really lucky. There was, you know, I, I kept presenting it at conferences with this because like I would apply to everything I could and I kept getting into all of them. Um, uh, and and people were like hungry for it. And I didn't like it wasn't it was just an accident. Like I just happened to hit it at the right time. So I think I started it with zero expectation as time went on. You know, I mean, I think I felt. I, you know, my firstness is never totally clear because there's, there's this French guy in the 70s that did something that's, it's hard to tell what it is, but it, I mean, it's clearly a dissertation. Um, I can't tell. It's kind of funny, so I don't know. 
we can talk about that another time. But um, so firstness was a little less clear, but I didn't want it to be a last. You know, I wanted it to be something that if it, if it, you know, got attention and flopped, like then that would not help the next person trying to come. Um, so I felt really important to me that, that it not only, uh, that it not only, you know, feel good to me, but that it, it, it was something people could point to. And, and I, I wasn't, you know, I hadn't even thought of Harvard, you know, it certainly wouldn't have been on my radar. Like I, I had no idea what I was thinking of for presses, but when they came and I, I just, I just loved my editor. I, I thought she understood the work better than I did, but, but I also understood that in sort of practical sense that having the stamp of this very serious institution could say, you know, somebody working on their masters who really loved comics could say, look at this. And then maybe it would trigger things for them. So, you know, I mean, I'm just really grateful that for whatever reason I caught the right point in history that people were ready for this weird thing and, and people in other countries for some reason too, you know, um, it's a tough book to translate. Um, anyway, your, your new question, sorry, is about, uh, about the other work, which I feel I've made so much less than I wanted to. So, um, so I'm glad you think it seems like a fair amount. Um, well, the climate, the climate one is really interesting. Uh, so this was for the 2015 Paris uh, climate talks. And when I got the postdoc to go to Calgary and work with Barbiti, I had made a list of like things that I would like to do because basically, I, you know, at the, this particular postdoc, for the most part, I could just work on my stuff. Um, and something on, as I said, I'm a, a child of an of a environmental studies teacher. So this is something very important to me all along. Um, and so I, I had wanted to do something on climate and the environment. And I got this call from Nature out of the blue. Somebody had seen my book, uh, one of their editors had, and said, would you be interested in this? And, and I was. <laughs> um, and the interesting thing about it is that uh, I told them in this first, we had a call with the, because there's a, Richard Monasterski who's the science writer who supplied all the, the information for it. Um, but I told them up front that, if they wanted a comic where the author or the journalist or scientist walked around in front and explained things to them, that I was the wrong fit, that I wasn't interested in that. Um, I was interested in how I could do things with the form, but it was, and they still hired me, which I'm not quite sure was their right choice, but, um, uh, but it made it much more difficult. Like we, he and I had tons of conversations. I had to learn, I had to learn, you know, I read so much to make this very short comic, um, but it's incredibly dense in information. Um, but, uh, but I mean, we just, there's some interesting things that came out of it. I would share my sketches, my little thumbnails, and uh, they just weren't readable to other people, but they had, you know, because it wasn't an illustrational project, it was more about conceptual, it, it was really, that was a big challenge. Um, but I'm really, I'm quite pleased, you know, it's not my, it's not my favorite drawing skill demonstration, but I'm quite pleased with how it came together. Um, the things for the globe, they too had just said, do you have any ideas? There's two pieces on the left from the Boston Globe. Um, they said, do you have any ideas for us? And I, it took me a long time, but I, I, I did a couple. Um, and the, the upper one, the one comic about entropy is something I really want to do for a long time. Um, this is a, this is a physics, my dad's a physics teacher. He would give a talk about entropy, um, 
using this poem, and I'm just having a brain lapse here on the author of the poem, but West Running Brook by, by Frost, Robert Frost, um, about how things go upstream. And, and I spent six months on this one page comic trying to think about how I could have a page that sort of does this going against the flow that life, the things that go against entropy. And it's one of my favorite things I've made. Um, but uh, it was a huge project for what's, you know, one page. And then the Comic-Con Karen Green, uh, Columbia's uh, comics librarian, who's a friend of mine who was really, her work was sort of blowing up while I was there. Um, yeah, that's a, they came as a, a, co a commission, which I really don't do that sort of thing. Um, they came to me right when I started at San Francisco State and I said, no, um, I said, I don't have time. Um, and I don't do this kind of comic. Uh, and they came back. I, I don't know if they couldn't find anybody at the time that could do it. And I said, okay, give me one day to think about it. If I get a good idea, I'll do it. Otherwise, no. Um, and I got the idea it's really from teaching that it would be interesting for me to draw like all the people that Karen had read and liked in her own reading career. Um, and that would be a good challenge for me. It's something I have students do to learn. I have them like pick muses that they sort of copy from to learn how artists solve problems. Um, so it was a huge challenge. The, the last page is uh, an Al Jaffe mad fold-in. Um, and I took words that Karen actually said and turned them into a message that she and I thought would be her closing message. And that was an enormous, enormous challenge. Um, but it was a lot of fun and, uh, you know, for whatever reason, I think Karen's popularity didn't hurt, but it, but it uh, was awarded with one of those nice Eisner statues. So, um, so it was worth it. Uh, I'm glad I, I ultimately didn't say no to that project. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then, of course, uh, going to your earlier point about unflattening, kind of um, in opening or inserting or creating new spaces within kind of the academic field, you know, you have this, you know, work that you've done for the, that was published in the PMLA, right? Um, so, Nick, um, as we kind of keep, keep, keep moving here, um, this entropy, let me ask you, how long did it take you to go from the idea that you were just describing to the finished page? And what was this process um, in, in a little more detail? Yeah, I mean, I have to say there are, and they're reproduced on my website, there are 50 uh, notebook pages, these, these ones that you can kind of see on the left, um, where I'm trying to work it out. Um, I mean, the, maybe the last 20 are, are specific details, but the first 30 are probably me trying to figure out how to read it. Um, it, was a, it really was six months, but, but it's not like I'm sitting there every day for six months. I, you know, we had like a one and a half year old at that time and I was, the book was out, so I was doing a lot of stuff. Um, I, so, but it's this, I mean, you know, I get this question a lot. Do you come up with the words first or the pictures? And, I, and I'm always, you know, quite seriously say yes. Um, that it's this play and it's, and it's really, it's making a lot of sketches. And, and I now talk about a lot as drawing badly. And I think it's really important that I draw badly, that it helps me reinterpret 
my loose sketch in a new way. So I might, you know, because I'm iterating it a bunch. I like, I'll draw it and I'm like, okay, I like this part and then I'll do it again, but I don't have to be as careful with it the second time because I already, you know, remember it from the last time so I can make even more shortcuts. Um, and then I start to see things that I didn't expect. Um, this particular one, I mean, you know, I think it's an interesting thing. This is maybe less about the process and more about thinking in comics. That you know, we think a lot about comics is like how pictures and words get together, and, and that's obviously very important. But I think it's also how it changes reading. You know, so it changes reading from. I mean, this particular comic, you read left to right, left to right, and then left, and then you you go over to the right, you go down, and you go backwards, and you go upwards before being sent out of this spiral and. And, and, and this is a particular complex page, which like shows off what comics can do, but every comic, even the simplest sort of Archie comic or whatever, has that sort of challenge of reading and, and that sort of disruption of reading from a, a linear chain to a, an all over kind of experience. And I, I think about it a ton. I've been reading um, comics to my daughter since she's like two and a half or two, two and a half maybe even younger, but, but now that, you know, now she's six. Um, and I, even when she was like, you know, three, maybe, um, she started to point out when I would read things and I would miss things, you know, and it's an, it's an interesting thing that, that reading comics might be a little bit easier in some sense, because there's pictures to help you figure out what's going on. But on the other hand, you have to pay attention to like every single element. And so even her, like before she could read the words, knew where the word should be and knew that I had like not made the right moves. So I'm, I'm sort of, I think about that a lot as I, in my making, like how do I want you to move through the page? And in this particular page, I really wanted that sort of experience of moving against the natural flow of downhill of things falling apart. I wanted it to be, I wanted that to happen, but still to make sense and still to make sense as a whole picture. And that challenge, um, it was hard. It's hard to figure that out. And I, you know, maybe better cartoonists than me could have figured it out faster. Um, but, but I'm, I am really hyper, uh, hyper conscious in part because I don't, most of my comics have no story and they have no characters that I'm always, you know, I'm thinking about what kind of metaphor I'm using and then how I want the reader to feel. And that's really true and unflattening. I mean, if I think of, like there's a page about Scheherazade and the knight's tales and the stories within stories. And I, from the start, I knew I wanted it to sort of move like her name. That sort of, you know, the sort of Z or S that her name might make. And, and every page, it's always like, how do I want the reader to feel in it so they can feel the idea at the same time they've got images and words that are showing them it. And, and that, that back and forth, I, I love it. It's, it's hard, but it, but it really makes me think of things that I just would never have thought of. Yeah, amazing. Thank you for, for uh, walking us through that. Um, you've also been, or, you, or continue to be involved in um, this Big Data Comics project. What were comics? Can you tell us a little bit about that and sort of why? Um, I mean, I am the 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 side junior partner on this one. So I have the, I have the least to say about it, but I can say this is uh, Bart, ben, uh, Bart Beatty and Ben Wu, um, this massive project that they uh, cooked up to, to survey 2% of every comic from 1934 to 2014 and look at everything from 
words per panel, words per page, how those have changed over the years, to staples, to advertising, to paper type, to things like panel composition. And, um, you know, my role is really, really tiny. I think, I think where, they'll, where I'll be most useful, if useful at all, will be in the, uh, in the sort of theorizing on some of the formal changes over the years. Um, my role at the very beginning, they were trying, so the, the, they have to select the data set. Um, and then they also are, um, you know, coding it. Like what are the things we're going to look for and how, how you know, you've got to, you've got to have some standard that people can go through and staples is obviously easy. Right. But, but how do you decide whether a page is like, designed by tiers or by, you know, whatever those things are, they're really hard. And I think the main thing I contributed to was saying that any sort of formal system you try to give to a page design doesn't work, um, which is not very helpful. I think I've mostly been unhelpful in, in their project, um, but um, I'm excited about it as I come over to San Francisco State and we now have a small archive. I think the potential for what, it can show about how comics have changed. And I think what's really exciting about Bart and Ben's approach is, is that they're, you know, I think we have these sort of grand narratives about Jack Kirby and Eisner and, and sort of seminal creators, but we don't notice, you know, that like, like, like just as a small example, I'm very interested in things that break panels. Like I, I think about that in my teaching, I think about it in my making. And, and they often point to some Kirby examples and there's a, I think, uh, is it Sheena or the Jungle Girl? There's like a famous panel where she jumps out of it. and I, I, um, I have it in my slides. Um, but, but these kind of innovations were made by all kinds of people at that time because they're just like trying to solve problems. And I think what's cool about their project, one of the, one of the cool things about the project is that it, it has a chance to see all these kind of things that are outside of the, the more direct narrative and more people maybe buy into the project and want to do their own version of it. Um, I think it can really, it can really bring to light some neat things that, that we just don't know. Yeah, no, that's great. It also kind of, on the one hand, there you are, Nick, you're a kind of, you know, a force, uh, artistic intellectual force in and of yourself. But then at the same time, there's a lot that makes kind of Nick right beyond Nick and maybe the big data project is a reminder that um, it's not just a comics kind of um, innovation that happens from one figure to the next, but rather comics innovation that happens within a much bigger kind of soup of yeah. creativity. Right. I think that's right. And since, you know, that's what I read to my daughter a lot. I read my little pony comics all the time. Um, and they're, you know, they're like, they're simple and all, but they do some awesome things that like, Spike, the little dragon, is like grabbing onto a pineal border and like resting on it. It's like, it's, you know, it's a comic for five to eight year olds, but there it is because somebody's playful and thinking about things and solving problems. Um, I use those kind of things in my class all the time. Um, anyway. Amazing. So, speaking of which, um, tell us a little bit about your methods, your, the Nick you know, approach the trademark classroom kind of thing that you do? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting, so, so my teaching experience before teaching comics is tennis, lots of tennis, which is a super hands-on thing. And 
often individual, but not, you know, I also did classes. And then I did teach public speaking and a little bit of writing, but mostly public speaking at Wayne State before I left Detroit, um, which is also, it's a class where like, I gave prompts and then let people do their thing. Um, and, you know, and I listened and gave feedback. So, so coming to comics, when I first, I first taught a class, maybe my third year at Columbia or something, I, I taught it four times while I was a doc student there. Um, and I taught at Parsons two times. And um, in those years, I, I, I did making as part of my sort of comics for education class. Um, and, but, but it always, it was in this, it was in the class from the very start, but, but it was a little bit more of an add on. And, and I don't, I don't know exactly how to explain it. It's like we would read stuff and then, yeah, let's test out some making and let's like play in that. And so it was a regular part of the class, but it still was sort of the corollary rather than the focus. And I, I remember very distinctly, I think the third time I taught it, second or third time I taught it, that, um, the books didn't come like like McLeod's book and, and any other books that I might they, they were late there was like maybe over ordered for the semester or something um, and so we did the exercises that I had been dreaming up because I've been making up exercises very much constraint based and, and things like that um, the exercise I've been making up hadn't come I mean the the books hadn't come so we're doing these exercises and so maybe like week two three four somewhere in there they still hadn't and I said you know, we'd be making all these things. I started to apologize to them and I said, you know, I'm really sorry we haven't learned it. And I stopped myself and I'm like, wait a second, here I am making a comic that's like supposed to demonstrate how comics themselves are a way of learning and a way of explaining and a way of thinking. Um, and, and we've done all these amazing things and yet I'm so a cultured, I'm so schooled that I, that I'm buying into the same thing that we'll know because we haven't read anything, we haven't learned anything. And yet, you know, one of the, so I do my grids exercise, which I share a lot on Twitter and, and in all my workshops, but we did things, very simple things like tell how you got here and they could interpret that in any, any way they want. Like whether it's getting physically to school or whether the like journey that got them to the university. And do it in a three-panel comic, in a three-panel strip, or however they conceive of that, or oh, and also in a two-page comic. So it's a pretty simple prompt, right? And they can go dramatically different ways, but all of a sudden they show up in class and they've got two versions of their own story, which may overlap, may be completely divergent. And then there's 15, 20 other students who've also done it. That, so now we've got this, this thing is like, what are the choices you made and why, and what are the choices you made and why? And all of a sudden we've just like, we've, we've blown up our understanding by looking at all the things we've done. And those students, you know, occasionally I would get in, you know, a drawing student, you know, it's all educators. So maybe I would get an art ed student who had drawing experience, but mostly I wouldn't. Um, but they were making really smart things. So I think that, you know, as much as I was a hands-on person from all my other experience, it's still, I think the defensiveness that we all feel around comics, like to justify that they're serious, we've got to read serious things. Um, I think, I think got in my way a little bit. Um, and I think since then, all my classes, and now I teach actual making classes where that's the goal. Um, but, but all my classes, like making is the first thing we do. And it's, it's the guiding thing we do, even if the goal of the class is something different. 
Um, and the sorts of exercises are very much constraints, you know, where there's, there's a prompt that you can interpret very openly, but there's something formal about how you use it. Um, and, and I think as I go, and, and in this current moment, this, this last part is really completely prohibitive, um, is that collaboration, uh, things where, where student one does something and then passes it to the next student and then we're sort of building the constraint as we go, um, which, which forces them to think fast, it forces them to make decisions, forces them to like be playful and not be so like worried about perfection. Um, I've seen amazing results with that and I do not know how to replicate that on Zoom. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, so that's a, that's a disappointment, but, um, you know, maybe in a year or so we'll get back to that. Yeah, this is a, this is a different moment in our, in our teaching <laughs> lives, right? Um, so Nick, what, <laughs> you know, maybe we've already answered this given how much teaching we have to do and, you know, life itself and kids and everything, but um, what is next for you? Yeah, um, I, I mean, I'm very much working on it. So, uh, so I have a, 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 I don't know, sequel is the right word for an academic comic about philosophy and education. Um, I don't know if you can have sequels, but a companion piece that picks up. I mean, I think what's interesting, there's a lot of things in Unflattening. I mean, like I'd never made a book like that before. It's not like, you know, and my superhero comics, I think there's one that was 48 pages when I was 17. Um, but I mostly work short form. Um, so I've never done anything like it and certainly not in that realm. So, I mean, I feel like I'm just getting started in one sense. Um, and, and in teaching and in having the good fortune to get to go around the country and other countries and speak about the work and do workshops and be asked questions, um, you know, from all kinds of people about the work. And um, it, it's really shaped, uh, it shaped the kinds of questions I want to ask in my work. And, and I'm, you know, you can't duplicate what you do in a classroom in your books. Like you can't, that's not something you can do. And I'm not someone who's at least at this moment interested in sort of a how-to kind of thing, but I am interested in something that's sort of a why-to. Um, and, and I think, so I have this, my next book is, is uh, I'm a year or two behind when I was supposed to hand it in. Um, and my progress is, is very slow. Um, uh, but uh, it, it very much picks up some threads that were touched on in Unflattening and more touched on um, in subsequent conversations about the work, about but what, it, what thinking is and, and what it means. Sorry, let me say this fast. Um, how much the body is a part of our thinking. You know, I mean, drawing as a way of thinking is something that'll be a part of it, and it was sort of a part of unflattening, but but it's more a conversation I've had about my work than it's in the work. Um, so drawing as a way of thinking and movement. This, this is massive project that I want to look at what we are and like where we came from, and then what that what thinking is and what it means to be these moving creatures, and it's. Uh, you know, I mean, it's so fascinating to have two small children to have been observing all this time. I mean, my daughter's getting older and, and has a lot more words, but um, I'm watching my, my boy's now 17 months old, but um, I'm thinking about, sorry, this is a bit of a tangent, but I think it, it'll tie back in. Um, 
I think about things like watching him navigate when he was still just crawling uh, through our chair and table legs. So, you know, you had each four chairs, four legs, 16 of those, and at least four table legs or so. Um, and watching this little figure crawl through and like weave his way through pretty effortlessly at, you know, eight, nine months old or whatever, weave his way through chair legs and things. And, and my point here is that it is an incredibly sophisticated way of, of knowing your body, knowing its dimensions and knowing how to navigate the world. And I think we're so good at those kinds of things. We dismiss them. But if we think about movement, if we think about that as this really high level of thinking, yeah, he can't say a lot of words at that point, but, but he's making all these, all these things he understands about his body and the world and communicating that through his movement that, that I want to, I want us to be aware of. And I think as academics, you know, I mean, our classrooms and it's even worse, I think on zoom, I mean, I notice it, like I never sit when I teach. Um, and here I'm like sitting all day. Um, like, uh, uh, you know, how do we, how do we, I mean, I think sort of the, the, the end of the book without any sort of spoiler, cause I don't know what I'm doing. Um, is, is how do we then think about those things in education? How do we think about, you know, all the people who've been drawing in class all their lives and gotten in trouble for it when every study says that's actually good for re memory retention and all these things. Um, all the people who need to fidget and move around from, you know, all the, the kids who get in trouble when they're five and six because they need to move around and they're getting in trouble because school doesn't allow that. Um, Somehow I want to think about all those things. Uh, and I want to think about them from science and uh, the Odyssey plays a big role. It was a suggestion of my editor. And I have this opening chapter, which some people may have glimpsed on Twitter. That is a, is a entire, it's a, it can be read as double page spreads, but it's also a tapestry. So it's a 22 page, it's about a 15 foot long, I don't know that I'll ever get it printed that way. I just, um, so each, so, so it's all those things. And then each chapter is going to have something formal to do with comics in how I've drawn it or how I've composed it, because that's the kinds of thing, thing about the Karen Green piece. Those are the kinds Karen Green comic. Um, that's the kinds of things that interest me as an educator and as a maker. Wow. How's that work? Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, and I'm sure your editor can't wait either. Uh, well, she hasn't fired me yet. So, um. <laughs> yeah. um, so as we kind of wind this down, Nick, um, yeah, what are, I know, you know, you and I've already talked a little bit about this, you know, finding the time to, you know, read the, the great stuff that's getting published. But tell me a little bit about where you're seeing some really interesting work coming out, created that's like caught your eye, caught your mind, your imagination. Yeah. And I, I mean, as I said, before we started, I struggle with this just cause I, I get, I just sort of blank when I think of all the things I need all my books in front of me and just to grab them, but I don't have that. Um, I was saying I, I taught both these books and I had this weird advanced readings course where we like made comics about comics theory and, uh, Kevin Huizenga's uh, River at Night just does so, so many interesting things with the form of how, of, of how you make meaning through comics or how you can explore time. And um, I mean, I think it's a formalist, like just, it's just so much to think about. We, we, we had a blast with it as, as students. 
And then Una's uh, becoming unbecoming. I, we she skyped in for a few minutes, and uh, there, uh, we had a. I sort of refer to her work as sort of almost anti-formalist, and I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. But um, she does these wonderful things where the the words the words are all part of an image, and they move you through it. And um, I mean, both of them resonate a lot with the ways that I think about working and. Um, but, but they really, I mean, I think, I mean, I still read superhero comics. I still would be there on Wednesdays or something if, I, if they were open right now. Um, but, but that's sort of a habit more than a thing that interests me. Um, but I, I mean, I just, I think the, the range of things going on is fascinating. And, and I also think, I've said, alluded to a few times, I think what's going on in kids' comics is, is fantastic. Um, and, you know, I have the... The beauty of having a kid that I can read with um, is that I we read we buy and read tons of you know uh, of comics and, and so many comics for for girls now I mean you know that just wouldn't have existed when I was a kid it just didn't exist um, you know from from My Little Pony and it's you know it's more commercial sense to Zeta the Space Girl Ben Hadkey's series of books and and Hilda, which I'm a little newer to, but I'm just blown away by the innovation going on. Um, I just, you know, and then Raina Talgemeier's works, which I thought probably were too old for my, my then five-year-old when we started them. And we've read them and she can't stop reading them. You know, if, if she's got a quiet moment, she'll go grab one of those books. And I think it's really interesting to think, I mean, just to say a little bit about Raina, uh, that, We've met her once. My daughter tried to tackle her, so we do have some experience with her um, a few years before we got the books. But um, that it's interesting that, that memoir books, the characters become, I don't know how to say this, like, you know, we talk about Batman or, or, or Twilight Sparkle, but now Raina herself is sort of like, Raina is a real person, but she's also this sort of, fictional real character to my daughter in that same way that you talk you know you and I might talk about Alfred or or you know Jimmy Olsen or something Raina is now like her family is that same kind of thing to my family it's it's really a it's an interesting thing I don't I don't I have no point there except I'm fascinated to watch it spill out of my daughter yeah no Raina there's something uh well I mean she's like our rock star like for kids right and um the lines kind of she's a kind of she's our bat symbol right um yeah so yeah i understand i understand and it's so important too to to kind of maybe reorientate we have these wonderful spaces the so-called alternative comics which i don't I'm still don't quite understand why we're even using that. Um, but anyway, um, but really the kind of maybe possibly arguably the tremendous energy in comics, like you said, is kids comics. Um, yeah. You know, middle age. There's, uh, middle there's so much I can't think of like we read Hikatia, uh, I'm blanking on her name. Um, We've read a lot. I, I mean, you know, if I had our shelves here, I would. There's just so many of them, and female authors, and um, you know, I mean, it's just the just the possibilities are just out. There's just so much good stuff, and it's available. And you know, taking I often I take 
you know, parents of other kindergartners or whatever that want to, their kids, they want to get into reading more. And like, so we go to the comic shop and we look at, we go to comics experience and we take a tour of like what's out there. And we end up finding things for the parents and the kids. And it's, it's just a phenomenal time to be into comics. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, Nick, Susanis, thank you for beaming in from San Francisco and sharing with us your journey, your remarkable journey and all of the things that you do to transform and sort of get us to think about ourselves in this world, but also uh, to remind us of how we can positively um, work, progressively work um, to make this a better place. Thanks, Nick. Thank you so much. That was really, that was really delightful. Thank you.